are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in today here on CRTV's free podcast. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. We'd love it if you'd join us too. So let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We just wrapped up today's Steve Dace Show for CRTV, uh, which you can access at CRTV.com today using the promo code Dace to get a reduced rate subscription. Perfect Christmas gift for that discerning patriot in your life, or maybe that's you. We also have monthly subscription options as well. Let's get a little preview of what we talked about today. Todd, I'll start with you. What's stood out? What do you want to tease? Your intro movie I hadn't heard of. What happened to Monday? What happened to Monday? Yes. Wow. Um, I'm fascinated. I can't wait to, to try to find a way. I don't have Netflix, so try to find a way to uh, see it. But um, it this seems to be one of those movies that perhaps accidentally, but has a way of kind of cutting through the noise and maybe getting some people who wouldn't listen to it from if it were, the words were coming out of our mouth again i haven't seen it you have you you could probably enlighten further on that but if i'm making my point correctly but they they might be get, people from a diverse audience might be given ears to hear a very important message through this movie that they wouldn't otherwise hmm. aaron uh the conversation um that we had with uh, Bob Vanderplotz uh, from the Family Leader, whose uh, organization, Bob's organization, hosted an event uh, this weekend here in Iowa with Ben Sass, who is a uh, darling of conservatives on Twitter. And uh, the, the conversation that ensued was was pretty interesting. Of course, uh, it's 2017, and there's not an election till 2020. Uh, and usually, when a senator comes to Iowa at any point. To give a speech, um, you know what's entailed in that, and so we got into um, that that potential a little bit as far as Ben Sass goes. He's he's a mercurial. Uh, I think the, the adjective that you used was mercurial uh, type of guy uh, as far as his his perception goes. Um, and so the conversation was very, very, uh, very interesting. And also, I want to mention, since we didn't get to mention this on the TV show, I want to wish everyone, um, and I want to echo our Secretary of State, I want to wish everyone a happy Transgender Day of Remembrance. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. And you won't just get to our show, but all of the shows here, including the great one, Mark Levin, the new one from Duck Dynasty's own, Phil Robertson, that and more, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, a hodgepodge of topics here on a Monday. Uh, we have a short week, as most of America does, with the holiday. So Wednesday is going to be our annual the the Worldview of Thanksgiving Worldview Wednesday podcast that we reset every uh, pre or Thanksgiving Eve, I guess we'll call it. Uh, tomorrow we'll come up with something. I think Aaron's got something in mind for tomorrow. So um, a, a few topics that I want us to touch on here today. I want to start with um, a mea culpa. I have made a terrible mistake. And I want to thank Ferris. That's his real name, actually. I think. Ferris for emailing me to show me the error of my ways. He says, after listening to the podcast that dealt with the top movies of the 80s, 
I am concerned about your failure to utter even one word of protest for the exclusion of one of the greatest. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, wow. Mea you know culpa, what? mea culpa, maxima. Where is culpa. your sackcloth and ashes? I, for I, uh, um, What year was it? 1982. Man. I am ashamed. I'm going to sue Rolling Stone. That even pisses me off, even though I haven't seen that movie. I, as someone who has an original cut of the theatrical poster hanging over the couch in his man cave, framed, who has seen the movie at least 300 times and can pretty much mouth it word for word. Um, I, I think it's the second greatest sci-fi movie ever made next to The Empire Strikes Back. Where do you think you got thrown off that you could I, forget that? I don't. You know, it's called getting older, man. You know, 20 years ago... It was I, a weird week, I, man. I, I, I thought Bob Dole was making a fool out of himself with those purple pill ads that he was doing, you know? And now I'm kind of like, eh, okay. I mean, I, I've lost my fastball. I don't, I don't know how to put it. I, I just, I'm ashamed. I, I don't know how I could have missed that. How? Would the Steve Dace of five years ago miss that? No. No. But something felt wrong about that whole list from the beginning. That's that's where I was at. I mean, they something. We agreed that something seemed missing, and I think we just didn't have the ability to follow through further. I mean, we kind of said, "Okay, that's clear." So now we're just going to run this thing out. This is I mean, ET. We missed that too. Was this that this is as disappointed as I've ever been in myself right now. No, no I understand. I see that. I, I, I am verklempt. What were you going to say, Aaron? Oh, I'm just I'm I'm looking through this list again. It's it's weird. That's will you, our audience allow us another shot at this? If I find a better list, huh? I don't know. I'll have to see how he gets through this. Because you do have Rain Man-esque recall yeah. tendencies. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of all the great lines from that movie. The great musical score by James Horner, directed by Nicholas Meyer from the University of Iowa, by the way. Um, it saved the... Star Trek was dead. It was dead after Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah, that was weird. It was dead after that. Oh, man. Airplane was in the 80s, too. Wow. I forgot that was in the 80s, too. Why did I always think that was like 78, 79? I'm kind of surprised. Like, before we even started the The list. The naked guns in the 80s, too. Yeah, they were. I was in high school when we were watching those, yeah. Ghostbusters was on that list. Ghostbusters on the list. But but to miss out on Star Trek Terminator. See, it all felt wrong, man. It all felt wrong. And it just gets more wrong the more we talk. I just, um, I, I owe a lot of you, all of you, really, an apology for that. And Ferris, I I appreciate you pointing out the error of my ways. I I will do penance this weekend by, um, I'm going to watch it again. Probably around, I'm guessing about the six-minute mark of the third quarter of the Michigan-Ohio State game. When I will be looking for alternative programming. Okay, so... Um, 
I, I didn't want to be like that, the, like everybody else in the media, where our corrections come like on the last page in fine print, right? When you blow it, you just need to own up to it, and I wanted to get it out of the way. Is there anything else I need to do, do you think, uh, to no, show my remorse? Fire no. me. I should take it out on you? Yeah, you should fire me. You're fired. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, the Steve Dace of five years ago would have done that too, but you're losing your festival and all kinds <laughs> yeah. of walks of life. Yeah, right. I'm five surprised took you this long. It's okay, I, I Aaron. Both of you yeah. for not for not bringing for for allowing me to make this mistake and found a way to blame there it. There he you guys. is. There he is. He made the list, and that brought the cons. Your baby. Do not bring me into this. How did you guys not let me? How did you guys let me go out there and make a fool out of myself like that? So you're Ben Carson now. That scene where he's got the two stooges on each elbow, just walking him around. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. When will this year end? Uh, very, very soon. Very, very soon. All right. Um, I, I put together for conservative review today a list of do's and don'ts. Because, you know, we're into conservatism, right? Which means we're into conserving that which proves to be noble, just, and true. Revealed by history and history's maker. So I've got a quick list of do's and don'ts for Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. Do smoke or deep fry your turkey if you can, even if the wife is convinced you'll burn down the house. That's why you have insurance, man. I did the deep fried thing last night, last year. One of our listeners deep fried one for me. Awesome. This year we're doing a smoked turkey that I'm getting from somebody else because my wife thinks I'll blow up the house. But if you can do that, have you guys done the smoke smoker with the turkey or the deep fried? I've done yet? the deep frying. What'd you think of the deep fried? It was outstanding. outstanding. Long time ago, I had deep fried and it's. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it's like the turkey legs that you get at the state fair, yes, or at Universal Orlando. That those yep. turkey legs are awesome. Yep. So I'm one for one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Don't make that green bean casserole. Don't make that. Wrong. Everyone says they like it, but they really don't. I they really just like they it. just Love like it. you, As and so team. they don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't like you, so I will tell you the truth. It's wretched. It's terrible. And there's a reason why there's so much of it left over. It's a wretched concoction. Green best beans. left unmade. Even your dog deserves better. You could say the same thing about green beans in general. You're the guy. Aaron is with me. I, yeah, and I'm the tiebreaker, Todd. Was here, no. What, you, leftovers? Are there better leftovers than Thanksgiving leftovers? But do you throw those out, too? Depends on the leftovers. I mean, I keep the meat. Like fruit salad, yummy, yummy. Yeah, I keep that little... Wiggles reference there for those of you with little kids at home. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, do have a little pie with your whipped cream. The appropriate ratio is the pie is very is barely visible underneath. That's the I should say acceptable ratio. It's the pie itself is barely visible underneath the whipped cream. Any anything less than that, and you have essentially. Um, insulted your ancestors and you're disgraced your heritage, Todd. I don't have your sweet tooth, but that is exactly right on pie. Aaron? Yeah, yeah anything that helps you, helps bring about the coma, the inevitable coma, yes. faster. Yeah. Or, and make it last longer. Yeah. Three for three, don't schedule your meal around the Detroit Lions. Um, as a lifelong fan, trust me, we're not worth it. We have one playoff win since 1957. Our sorry franchise pretty much exists to crush the hopes and dreams of people like me and obscure and clarify obscure NFL rules. So don't schedule your meal around the Lions game. Aaron. You know, um, I, 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 I would have to agree with that. Although if you're also a fan of the most winningest college football team, in the history of the sport, I'm I'm a little bit concerned that 
This is maybe over the the victim status here is a little bit overdone. But then, of course, you're probably going to pull out some obscure stat about the Detroit Lions that will put me back in my place. So I'll just shut up. Todd, am I right on this one too? Oh yeah. Okay. But I'm a Packer fan, so um, I we we play you quite frequently on these Thanksgivings, and those are great Thanksgivings. Do eat during the Lions game, so you'll have your full attention for America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, which plays later, that actually tries to win, which frankly they haven't done a lot of that recently either, but at least they're trying to win. So you definitely want to be more interested in watching when they play than when we play. Fair. Fair? Fair, yeah. All right. Don't watch the first two hours of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. It's a total ripoff. It's a basically a bunch of lip-syncing musical acts you've never heard of singing cheesy but forgettable show tunes that make Nickelback sound like freaking Mozart. Okay? Don't watch the first two hours of the Macy's Parade, Todd. I don't think I had ever watched it until I had relatively young kids and then we sat them down in front of it to watch when, and then you know then you saw the truth realized, of which I speak I, yeah yeah it's an infomercial for mediocre music yeah. it, it's like you know KTEL Records went out of business in 82 right and now it's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade first two hours every year now right Aaron? Yeah, see, I always I always think I'm going to watch the parade this year, and then it comes and goes, or I sleep through it or whatever, and uh, it's like, oh, well, I forgot to do that. I'm never like, oh, man, I forgot to watch the parade. So, yeah, I, I'll buy that. Now, do watch the final hour of the parade, which is the actual parade itself, when they show the actual floats, culminating in Santa's epic climactic perform or appearance. That is when you do watch, Todd. And that's the reason I turned it on okay. uh, with my kids. Aaron, so. that's the reason. That's the only reason why anybody watches. I'm right? cash money, homie, on this so far. Cash money. All right. Don't do your Will Ferrell Santa scream from Elf again this year. When he shows up at the end of the parade, yes, people originally laughed when you did that. But that was in 2005, okay? The only one that has laughed at that since then is you, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I, I don't, don't do any impressions or any voices, especially if you're homeschooled, because homeschooled kids cannot do impressions of people. <laughs> no, they are, they are, they are impressions yeah. of people. <laughs> don't ask me how I know this. <laughs> I just do. Todd... <laughs> oh, I love Never how he's me. taking his kind back generations. Uh, what were we talking about again? Uh, don't, when Santa shows up at the end of oh, the parade. Well, you just don't want people to do that because that's your thing. You're trying to corner the market. No, on I've, because nobody's is this what your, since 2005. Is this what your wife told you? Like, Steve, not again. I'm, I'm, there's wisdom <laughs> in a multitude of counsel. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. Um, do watch Miracle on Thir- Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street if it's on, but only the original, with the precocious Natalie Wood and the eternally gorgeous Maureen O'Hara. All others are cheap imitators. It's like it's like buying that polo shirt knockoff at Gordman's instead of like the actual polo store or Von Mar. Right? If you're gonna do Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, you have to do the original. The way we started this show, I can't break your heart again by reminding you of what I've told you before and I remember how heartbroken you were but I'll do it anyways I've still never seen it that's I can't say that I have either are you guys serious <laughs> yeah it, what's the what's a common uh, you know, thing doing... I, I amaze myself but what's a common thing for you like 
the thing that you know you're supposed to have done in this world, and it's so common, and everybody else has, but you haven't done it. I mean, I do need to see it, but I just never get around to it. I'm about to think about that. I'm sure that there is something. In fact, I even said something before when this came up, and I can't remember what it was now. There was something that came up on Twitter a few months ago. I'm like, I've never actually... I've never actually done that. You're right. I do have to see it. You know what we should do is we should just do one episode is we're, we are just watching Miracle on 34th Street, the original here. Oh, in studio yeah. I'm all in for that. Yeah. Let's do it. We're going to do it. It's an all-time classic, yep. man. Don't For one episode? Yeah, but we're just sitting here. Don't. For it to be a show, doesn't it have to have a Mystery Science Theater 3000 I mean, quality? We can, we can do our commentary. Yeah. Sure. It's an but all-time. But how snarky could we be watching now, I, that I, show? It, it is an. I don't know if we need like screening permission to do it though. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Do we? I don't know. No. I'm. I'm all in for this. It's. It's an all-time yeah. classic. It's. Yeah. It is such. Such a great movie. It is. But it's only the original. Okay. They what do you even mean the, by they, that? They well, did the one, well there, there was the one in the seventies with David Hartman, who was the original oh, anchor you on mean Good Morning like America. A remake of, yeah, yeah I don't there was one about in the nineties as well. No, it's got to be the original with a young Natalie Wood and Maureen O'Hara. Got to be the original. Yeah. All right. Don't engage that family member who thinks they know everything about everything, all because they read all the cable news cryons and or Googled Freemasons once. Okay. This person only shows up every year to make everybody as miserable as they are. Let them drown in their own bile. You are here to carb up. That's why you're here, Todd. Yeah, I had a, I've had a long-standing policy. You know, I like talking about religion and politics, uh, but I'm never, I'll never shut, shoot the first bullet. You know, somebody has to come talking to me. And now, you know, in the last two or three years, you know, I will, even though I still find it interesting talking about it outside of the show, yes, yeah, certainly on Thanksgiving, I, I would do everything I could to deflect about, you know, what, you know, oh, looks like Aunt Millie needs gravy. Sorry, got to go help her, something like that. You're you're right. Uh, totally, totally agree with that. That is, that is, that's, if, if you take nothing else from this list, so far, that's the one that you should listen to. Do volunteer to carve the turkey if offered. Now, that's a lot of pressure. I get that. But with it comes the ability to cleverly reserve for yourself some of the choices cuts to, and that is not selfish. Jesus said the worker is worth his hire, right? So I always carve up the turkey and, and then, you know, separate the white and the dark meat and put it on the tray, and then we put the tray on the table, okay? And But that way I can always make sure the parts with the really fatty skin and stuff like that I am, yeah, there's a way to kind of place some things so that when you, when you go to stick the uh, fork in there to grab your meat, you know where where the good is at. Nothing to- wrong with that. Totally fair. Now, do you have a do you carve just standard knife? Do you use one of those like electric? I just use a standard knife, yeah. and I just essentially maul it. Me too. It. Yes, I just, I just maul. Yes, it. yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, literally. I, I I probably violate some animal welfare laws with what I do to that thing every year. I just maul it, maul it with a sharp object. It's carcass time, you bet. Yeah. Aaron, um, whatever way, whatever way to get the most meat into your mouth, go for it. If that means you carving uh, the uh, carving the turkey, carve the turkey. If it means you just sitting back and waiting for the meat to be brought to you, do whatever you have to do to get the meat sweats going. So. Don't have game time. Because we all know everyone is a sore loser but you. 
who never loses or at least never admits to it. Sure, you can handle a little friendly competition. You can even let it go if things don't go your way. But the rest of your gathering, they take things way too seriously. Not you, but everybody else does. And besides, you wouldn't want to embarrass everyone else again and spoil their holiday. So be merciful. And yes, I'm talking about myself, but really you, Todd. Never had game time in the family I have now, but I look back fondly growing up. Families got together. After the meal, uh, the grown-ups would get together and play Sheep's Head. You familiar with the card game? I am not. It's a no. Variant that, of euchre. That sounds like some sort of uh, ritual. Uh, okay. No, no, no. Right. Uh, but they were. I mean, they loved it, and, and that's a rich part of my uh, childhood memories. Aaron, I can't add anything else to that. Finally, do take time to share what you're thankful for, especially if that includes yes. the people that are at the event. Too often, we don't truly share how much we appreciate one another, and it, it's just much more impactful when it comes out of our mouth with our own words than when we buy something that Hallmark wrote. Aaron. Totally agree. Uh, and it was, I had a great experience last uh, last Thanksgiving, too, with, uh, I spent it with a family um, who I had kind of just met from my church, and uh, we said that uh, around the table, and getting to spend time around people that you're not, you don't exactly know that well, but share a holiday like that is even more impactful, and, and we shared things that uh, we were thankful for, and it is, it's uh, it's a good experience, and it makes the holiday worthwhile. Todd? Yeah, and I'm all, I can get uh, choked up pretty easy when I'm thinking about that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's just, it's more of a, uh, a necessary outlet uh, than ever before to just sit and be with the ones uh, you love the most. And actually, the way you kind of framed it, Steve, uh, talking a while back about your daughter, and she's 16, you got, what, two years left in the house or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I've got four and a half but you know my my oldest daughter is you know, about to turn 14 and she's so she's like 14 going on 30 so it already seems like she's about uh to leave and uh that that's i'm, I'm not built for that so yeah i'll just be swimming in that kind of stuff uh, as long as i can yeah my 16 year old daughter is actually looking up apartments online like she is counting down <laughs> until she can move out on her own and i'm not really sure how to take that <laughs> yeah you know, I mean, I think it's cool that she, you know, we raised a kid who's that independent, right? And is an initiative taker. On the other hand, you know, because it's my daughter, if it was my son, and I, I mean, Noah's my buddy, okay? You're but the it, one it, counting down the days. Yeah, but it's different when it's different when it's a boy. Is that you're counting, time to man up. I did my tour of duty. Like, I, I'm, I, I know I've got one more summer of lawn, lawn mowing in me, and then I got like a five-year break, Okay. <laughs> Right, so I love my little buddy. We hang out together. We're best buddies. We do almost everything together, but it's different when it's when it's the son. You look forward to him growing up and manning up, right? So you can hand off some of all the all the burden you've been carrying all this time. He gets to share in some of that now, right? That's how we call maturity. When it's the daughters, though, you're kind of like, eh, should I be offended that she's like, you know, so looking forward to getting out on her own? You know, oh, I know. I just I've got very mixed feelings about it. Oh, and then just start thinking about when she's looking more longingly at some other dude who you just want to rip his head off. Then, I mean, yeah, I'm not built for that. Can't can't handle it. Have you guys seen the latest from the Babylon Bay? 
No, but yes. Must, must share. Yes. All right. I, so their latest is um, Sports Illustrated releases hotly anticipated modest attire <laughs> issue. All right. 44 sizzling. These are the headlines on the cover. Okay. 44 sizzling floor length dresses. Okay. Top 10 godliest women on the planet. Christian girls adorned in good works cover all. And then at the bottom in agate print, it says, plus church softball league scouting report. I guarantee you that there is somebody who has no humor whatsoever who has been on the charge in uh, last week regarding uh, various... uh, Sexual peccadilloes, well, who has still managed to call that misogynistic when that's the antidote to all the nonsense we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I've, I watched a little bit over the weekend Matt Walsh, our buddy, going to battle on Twitter with his calls for more modesty. And um, even having other women, Christian women, conservative women, going, him and going back and forth with them. That's not the solution here. You're you're blame shifting. What do you think of that with four daughters at home, Todd? Well, I, I mean, I mean, Matt, Matt's absolutely not trying to blame shift. I I I think he's talking about as returning uh, our sexuality. Back to a sense of proportion. I mean, we've talked on the show, and we got you got quite a few emails. I think that I can't remember if we shared them online or afterwards. But about is it okay for girls on the beach to wear bikinis? Mm-hmm. And that's basically the conversation we have. It's not about you know Burkaville at all. It's about a sense of propriety and proportion. And I think that's all Matt's talking about again on the beach bikini okay if you are wearing the same thing walking down the street um, Matt, Matt put it an interesting way and I don't remember what he was talking about it, but he says you know you you don't deserve anything to come to you if you walk down a dark alley at night but it's still probably not a good idea to do it make a good smart safe choice and that if if that's misogyny now well okay I <clears throat> I I think people equate um I don't I don't know. I think there's just some some misconceived notions and maybe this is maybe this is just my subjective. I mean, it probably is just my subjective opinion, but something I really appreciate about my well, the girl that I'm dating right now is that she uh she is very um stylish in the way that she dresses. Mm-hmm. I find her really attractive. But she is she's modest, though. Uh, I think there's a way to achieve attractiveness, uh, dressing well without necessarily showing a ton of skin. I and I, I, you know, this is again, this is up to the. I think it's up to the woman. Um, but if if they are if they are um, so uh, convinced or maybe convicted that uh, maybe they shouldn't uh, show so much skin uh, to help the, to help a brother out if that's their conviction then they should do it uh, if they if they come under the conviction that it might what they're wearing is might cause another dude to stumble uh, then then they should do it but that's their call um, I can I, I only the only thing that I can do is take responsibility for myself and again, uh, the girl that I'm dating right now, my my girlfriend, she is really good at dressing stylishly. 
uh, but she is modest at the same time. Of course it's possible. And this goes to some of the conversations this weekend also that people are having about the Pence rule. And it, you, we're right in the middle of all this, and still people go to their corners and started calling each other names. Uh, when somebody brought up an obvious option as a safeguard to making sure the differences that you all want to ignore are there between men and women. I mean, that's really where this is at. We lie to ourselves about who men are, and we lie to ourselves about who women are, and we lie to ourselves about what sex is and what, what marriage is. And so this this is part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. M- m- bringing up the notion of modesty ha- has nothing to do with with wanting to take away the options of women to look we i mean good grief guys we 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 no one no guy wants you to to stop looking beautiful nor do they uh, nor any guy should be blaming you for our human frailties but can we have the talk i mean i think women will without uh without even pausing would be would be launching all kinds of directives at men's way about do's and don'ts and what they should and what they don't in terms of courting. Great, more information. That's fine. Let's hear it out. We might disagree. We might agree, but uh, that I have no idea. And the reason why this is written, Steve, uh, by the Babylon Bee, is because we don't have grown-up conversations. I mean, it cuts to the quick. It's been my experience that. Whenever, and and I see both sides of this as a dad, and you know, Amy and I have taught a form of modesty to our daughters. On the other hand, um, it's not like we didn't have men's urges, prompt uncontrolled urges, prompting them to dominate and take advantage of women when they were wearing girdles and right you know they did and and they dressed like they do in the promo shots for the handmaid's tale right for for example so i don't think there's a panacea out there either way um i do think though what matt is alluding to whether you agree with a specific application of it or not is an important conversation which is why were these boundaries created in the first place right And my experience has been whenever the system says to you or any system says that its best reason for doing something is that's the way we've always done it. Or when it tells you that's what we're not allowed, that's that's what's verboten to discuss, that's impolite. That's exactly what you need to discuss. That's exactly what you need. And and I'm sure somebody's definition of modesty in 2017 is not what it was in 1937 or 1948. You know, we, we, we got a lot of people that criticize us for our position about women wearing bikinis at a beach. You're outside in the summertime going into the water. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, the presumption, if you're going to this place, right, the presumption is what? That at some point, I would, I'm probably going to go submerge my, get into water, and that's not really where it's ideal to be fully clothed. So what we're really only arguing then is how much skin is appropriate to display or not. But you can avoid going to an occasion where it is the 
cultural expectation we're all going to wear less clothing here than we typically would you see what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah this, that's what the occasion is there for that's why we're going there for but when i take my my 10 year old son to the mall and as i go by the video game store victoria's secret essentially has a giant mural of a woman who is wearing essentially what i used to give chicks dollar bills to to, to wear at the strip joint when i was in college that's a different that's yes. that's that's not an occasion where this is the expectation that we will be this, confronted with this this whole conversation i i'm it's really not that complicated to me i've tried to i've tried to articulate this uh, multiple times back when we had the conversation about the bikinis it's all about just taking responsibility for your own actions if uh, why I mean, would you want to go into a thing like no, that it's it well i mean women need to know how men are wired we're very very visually wired so if you're a Christian woman and you know that about a man and you come under conviction that um, I don't want to give an excuse or an extra excuse or an extra impetus for a brother to maybe stumble. So I'm going to dress a different way. That's 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 her prerogative. That's your prerogative. Men, if you are if you think that bikinis are evil, then don't go to places where there are going to be a lot of bikinis. If you see me at the gym, I'm always either looking at the floor or staring directly at my phone because yoga pants are simultaneously the worst and best invention Preach. ever. Preach. And so I, I, I have to take responsibility for my own self. I'm not going to go around to all the women. There are probably Christian women there and say, hey, you're causing me. No, you're not causing me to stumble. I'm choosing to stumble if I do uh, indeed you know, choose to look away that I that I should not. It's, it's about personal responsibility. So don't try to make the opposite sex do something. Uh, maybe they should. Maybe they should not. But that is the Holy Spirit's domain if it is indeed um, if it is indeed something that maybe a woman should not wear to convict that woman and they do need to be uh made aware of of how we're of how we're wired and i think most women probably are aware of that which is why we see them wear some of the things that they do all right finally um have either of you seen justice league yet nope not yet no okay i've seen it twice and um took noah to an early screening thursday night that was a mistake, man. I, I went to like the big XD theater with the reclining seats and stuff. And I should have gone like at midnight so I could have like snoozed before going or like at six o'clock. But going at like 1030 was right in between nighty night and my adrenaline crashing. All right. And getting those reclining seats and they're really comfortable. So when I walked out, I was not happy. And I'm, and you know, Noah of course wants to break it down. When we get out, and he he thinks it's great because he's ten. That's all he's known. And I don't want to spoil his joy, you know. So I'm like, yeah, there were parts of it I liked, and there were parts of it I liked, you know. So, I'm, but I'm I'm trying to be as benign in my characterization as I can because I don't want to crush my little man. You got no taste, kid. <laughs> How did I raise you, this boy of mine? So I decided I'm going to go see it again middle of the day when I'm wide awake and I'm and I and I think you guys I haven't talked about this in a lot the few months leading up to this I've not blown the expectations for this out of proportion I think you even asked me about a month ago yeah after, you know what I thought and I told you I was concerned when you have two alpha visionary directors trying to split the baby in half with their own vision of a film that you may end up getting neither one of them's best stuff okay didn't i think i right. you know yeah. i had that conversation so i went and i saw it again 
um, over the weekend, I was very disappointed. There's some really cool stuff in the movie, okay? Name one thing. Just... Um, there's a great scene between Aquaman, or a really cool scene between Aquaman and Wonder Woman with the magic lasso. Okay. okay. Cool. I, I, don't, I don't want to spoil it. Sure. All right. I just wanted one but thing. But there, there's, there's some cool stuff in there. there. There really is. Okay. The two, frankly, the two best scenes in the movie are the two after credit scenes. So stay for wow. those. Wow. That's... Those are the two best scenes in the movie. And they're both really good. Hmm. Really good. I would highly recommend. Okay? But for a kid like me, you know, I've, I've told you guys, I've talked about this before. I can remember Christmas 1978 at the River Hills Theater here in Des Moines like it was yesterday. It's 40 years ago now. And the little girl is reading from Action Comics number one, the debut of Superman, 1939. Right? The day, it's all in black and white. And, you know, they, the Daily Planet logo. And then, doom, doom, the John Williams score kicks in. Doom, 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 doom. And all of a sudden it goes like Wizard of Oz. It goes from black and white to color. And the iconic S soars onto the screen I mean it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up when I watch it now 40 years later and um, I, there were very few things my stepdad and I really bonded over when I was growing up one of them was a love of superheroes and sci-fi um, and I mean Superman was like my male role model growing up I told you guys the story that scene in Man of Steel when when Kevin Costner as uh, um, as uh, Clark's dad yeah. looks over and sees his son standing up on the hill with the red towel around his right like a cape. that was me as a kid man I got choked up when I saw that scene the first time I saw Man of Steel I literally taught myself how to read watching Spider-Man on the Electric Company and reading Batman Superman and Green Lantern comics so, I mean, these characters have a special place in my heart. I think any healthy culture needs its legends. It needs its legends. It needs its heroes. Places where, and stories where people of various persuasions, although linked into the same culture, harken back to for some commonality, common values, common purpose. You know, couple guys named Clyde and JR used to get together at a campus pub and over a few pints while they were debating theology they used to lament that their culture in their day and age 1930s England didn't have any legends anymore didn't have any heroes anymore and out of those conversations one guy started a series of books some of you've heard of called Lord of the Rings and the other guy started a series of books, slightly successful, called The Chronicles of Narnia. And it was because they wanted to recover the mythos, the, the legends of, 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 their, of their culture, of their heritage. And for Americans, you know, we're not as steeped in legacy culture. We're 240 years old, guys. These superheroes, particularly the iconic DC ones like the originals, 
are kind of the closest we have to that other than stories of the old west you know what i'm saying we we don't really have that because we're not an ancient culture we're not you know here we're not from the anglo-saxon culture with the king arthur mythos like you know our british ancestors were so we really need our legends we need places where the values are so transcendent the plurality is so obvious that a lot of us from various persuasions can walk into this place and project equally our hopes and dreams on these characters and walk out of there with a common sense of value and purpose when batman you have the john galt-esque hero this the the man who just takes his master of his own fate takes it upon himself trust no one government nobody Superman, as I've talked about before, is the Christological mosaic um, allegory. Wonder Woman is your progressive heroine. Green Lantern's power, yes, it's the ring, but he has to manifest it with his own self-determinate will. Boy, is there anything more uniquely American than that? You have a, a nation of opportunity. But you have to grab hold of it with your own self-determinate will to find out what that means for you, what your pursuit of happiness is, or justice. That's Green Lantern's power. I can go right on down the line with all of, with many of these characters. And then this diverse set of peoples and skills come together to form a Justice League united by a common purpose, and the purpose would be justice. Does that sound like a story we could use as a people right about now? Think we could use that story, Todd? Oh, I'm certain. Aaron, does that sound enticing to you at least? Oh, a little bit, you know. It's not what we see on the screen. It's not. Aquaman's way way too much bro dude, way too much. And I and I and 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 it's it's a shtick because I don't care about the character yet. I get why that DC did this because they didn't want to totally copy Marvel. So Marvel did it where everybody got their own movies and they brought them together and DC doesn't want to look like they're ripping them off. So they're going to bring them together and then give them their own movies. But if I don't, first of all, that's not the Aquaman we grew up with, bro dude. But if so, if you're going to reinvent him, I need to care about that character. Like the Thor you're watching in the movies isn't quite what we grew up with either. He's much cooler, but they had to make him cooler. Otherwise, it would seem weird to watch a Norse god with a wing helmet walk around with a hammer. You know what? I mean, they, they had to do that, okay? But they made you care about him first. I don't know who this Arthur Curry is. He's just this bro dude all tatted up. What the hell? I don't care. Unless I go in caring, I don't care. Cyborg is supposedly half robot, half human. He's all robot in this film. All robot. Couldn't be more bland. There's like they're not a human being there. And the Flash, they have a disadvantage because Grant Gustin is crushing it on the W, on this, well, it's to CW now, on CW's Flash television show, which is one of the most popular shows that network's ever had. And Grant Gustin is just killing it. He's crushing it. So now we, though, and the Flash has always been a little quirky. Now they just made him annoyingly socially awkward. Like, you kind of just want to say, dude, you really need a girlfriend. Shut up. Leave me alone about halfway through this. And then Batman goes from cocksure to essentially Superman's like his shaman. 
It's like he doesn't know how to what to do on his own. He's helpless. He's gone from John Galt to ward of the to ward of the state, guys. That's the part I'm most interested about to see for myself. I and the way that they contrive the return of Superman, it's not glorious at all. And then when he fully returns as the Man of Steel, that should be a moment that five-year-old Stevie had in the River Hills Theater. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Were you just so beaten down by the time that happened? That's, though, that, that is possible. That That is possible. Okay. It's not that the movie is bad. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's that it's lazy. It's like when I go to the food court at Costco after I'm done shopping there twice a month. Why do I go there? Is the pizza bad at Costco? You ever had Costco pizza? No. They make there? It's not bad at all. But if I had a choice between Costco pizza and then like the made from scratch one at Whole Foods as the giant pieces of Italian sausage, if I had the choice, what would I choose? Oh, I know what you'd choose yeah. because you Why do I get the one at me? Costco? Because it's there and I'm right. lazy and it's only $1.50. That's what this movie is. They had a chance to do something profound and they just punted r- r- repeatedly. Repeatedly. Some of the coolest parts in the trailers, like that, the, the, the Comic Con trailer where Steppenwolf, the narration from Steppenwolf. No heroes, right. no Kryptonians, no lanterns, right? None of that's in the movie. None of it is. They, they took the, the New God storyline, you know, when the Superman comic was dying in the late 70s. Three things reinvented it. Richard Donner's movie. They, they changed Lex Luthor. They brought him in the modern age from a mad scientist to the corporate tycoon that we know him as now. All right, and they created this new line of villains called the New Gods. This is where Darkseid and and Thanos in Marvel is a total ripoff of Darkseid. Total, most of Marvel is derivative or ripoffs of DC. So what's going to happen is next year Marvel's going to do Thanos right, crush it, and then when DC tries to do Darkseid again in a few Darkseid for real in a few years, people are like, well, I saw this movie already. It's called Thanos. Except Thanos is the ripoff of Darkseid. They, it's it's like it's like they like you know Marvel Marvel's we don't want Marvel to soil one of their iconic villains the most. Marvel blew two villains Galactus in one of the, in the Silver Surfer Fantastic Four movie where he's a cloud, and then um, what they did to the Mandarin in Iron Man three. Dark Side gets the Galactus. Dark Side and Steppenwolf get the Galactus uh, Mandarin treatment in this movie. Some of the CGI is spectacular which makes when it's not stand out all the more. It's like your favorite football team's play calling on Saturdays, Aaron. It's like when they, when they, when they, go, all, when they go to the wall to beat Ohio State mm-hmm. and then they just mail it in the next two weeks against Wisconsin and Purdue. You know as a fan they don't have any excuse, right? Because you've seen them actually try. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what this movie does. Oh. There's moments where the CGI is spectacular and then there's other moments you're like, come on, man. This looks like they outsourced it to some North Korean outfit. It's lazy. The whole movie's lazy. And if I had to guess what happened is, Zack Snyder, as he did with Man of Steel, and a lot of people did not like that he took the mythos that seriously. I loved it. I know you loved it. I loved it. My guess is Zack Snyder, probably the movie he turned in, very much tapped into this mythos. 
And then his daughter committed suicide. He and his wife, who were a production team, they divorced themselves and from the film because they were mourning as a family, obviously. And I think Warner Brothers used that as the excuse to say, yeah, we're not doing that movie again. Bring in Joss Whedon, throw in some funny, witty one-liners, and let's sell some action figures. And it can't be more than two hours. And is that what it is? It's one hour and 57 minutes or something. Yeah. And from what I've read, what's been cut, most of what's been cut is the backstory of the, of the other characters. Like we do see the Flash saving somebody in Central City. We do see Aquaman, you know, getting immersed in the politics of Atlantis as this discovered half-breed of the dead queen. We, my, that's my, what, what I've read online this weekend is those were the scenes that were cut. You know, like they did with Batman versus Superman where they cut out the part that actually made Lex Luthor's villain make sense. And when you watch the extended version, you're like, oh, I totally get what they were doing with Lex Luthor now. It totally makes sense. So... We deserve better. These heroes deserve better. And I hope the lackluster box office for this this weekend sending sends a message to somebody at Warner Brothers. Get it right. Final words before we sign off, well, Todd. We've had conversations about Star Wars, about how, how, how are you messing this up? How are you, even though they ended up saving it, how is it an afterthought that you put that Darth Vader scene in rogue one at least though with star wars you don't have original source material Mm -hmm. here i this is even more mystifying to me i think because i I always ask you what do i always ask you steve when all these movies start come out i say okay because i didn't read the comic books like you give me the backstory so i know a little bit more what comics you throw ragnarok oh they got planet hulk here and ragnarok there and i i'm better off for it but how how are they messing this up. I mean, you have an entire encyclopedia of fantastic stories that people are dying to see, and you're screwing it up. There is no excuse. Thor Ragnarok is a masterpiece, by the way. There is no excuse for making a masterpiece film around Thor and blowing Justice League. No. I mean, that just can't. That, <laughs> How do you do that? That's like saying, you know, I really suck at pumpkin pie, but here's my rhubarb recipe. That can't happen. One's a staple. You have to try to fail at pumpkin pie. You have to try to not to not score here. Particularly on the heels of Wonder Woman, that's going to be one of the most commercially successful films. That will probably be, other than Star Wars The Last Jedi, the number one grossing movie of the year. My guess is it will get some Academy Award nominations. How? How you blow this? Well, I think... The fact that you and I, uh, we had very similar points of views about uh, Batman versus Superman. Uh, really, really good story. Sometimes not executed perfectly, but you know, I, I loved that movie. I loved the story. I told. I mean, and after coming off, I was so skeptical about the Batman story coming off the heels of uh, Christopher Nolan's trilogy. It was compelling to me. I really liked it. I think Superman has been executed uh, excellently uh, so far. Um, but then there were so many people who didn't like it. And right then, when, you, when, you, when you're getting that kind of reaction against uh, something that, to me, is just objectively good, you're going to get something that's objectively bad if that's the reaction. I just want to I, I end uh, with this instead of uh, ending on a, on a sour note. Um, it may not always look the way that we want it to look or that we're used to it looking like, but as I said a few weeks ago when we had a similar conversation about producing good art in general, 
there's always going to be a market for good storytelling and for good art. Again, it might not always look the way that we expect it to. It might not always come from Hollywood. But I think when we see movies like this, that is a, a, a departure, and I'm taking your word for it and I'm taking a lot of people's word for it on Justice League in particular, when there were great um, precedents set in storytelling and, and getting the characters right, and then you come out with this fart, I think that underscores the point that there's always going to be a good uh, a good market, a big market for good stel- uh, storytelling. So really quick, what's next? They Their next movie is not until this time next year, uh, and Aquaman is the movie. Uh, they're filming it now. James Wan, who did the Conjuring franchise, is doing this movie. Um so that's being filmed now. Uh, Shazam goes into production after the first of the year. Um, and then I, you have Matt Reeves, who's, who's second, who's first. He didn't do the first Planet of the Apes film. He did the second one, which is great. The last one he did, not good. He's supposedly taking over the uh, Batman franchise. My guess is, though, they may retool some things after what happened here with Justice League. Wonder Woman 2 goes into production next year. So Wonder Woman 2 and Shazam are scheduled for 2019. Aquaman is the only, for release in 2019, Aquaman's the only DCEU film right now scheduled for release in 2018. So my guess is whatever they decide to do with Suicide Squad, another Man of Steel movie, uh, the Batman franchise was probably going to be determined by... They're not going to stop making these movies, guys. They make way too much money globally, plus the ancillary merchandise sales of shirts and action figures and video games. They're not going to stop making them. But uh, my guess is they may reassess the direction they're taking the franchise macro after what happened You're right, it makes money, but the returns on this movie compared to some other ones, I, I, I saw it, and I can't remember the movies they compared to opening weekends. I mean, it was substantially... There is no excuse for Justice League finishing lower than Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. When you look at the brands, the characters, right. um, there's just that that should just never happen. Don't you, don't you think those, I, those dark constantly dark commercials where you didn't learn really anything about the story and here you have i mean a batman's you know the dark knight but you know bright vibrant color and all it was it looked like an apocalypse the entire time i just don't think it really did i mean comic book movies you've seen you know there's color all over the place they're popping i just don't think they did any people were yawning from this thing from the get-go I don't know. I mean, the music is mediocre. Danny Elfman's score is bad. Um, Man, it has almost worse. none of the coolest music from Man of Steel. You hear Wonder Woman's theme, which is phenomenal. Right. It's in the film for like five seconds. I, I just, they just mailed it in. They just mailed it in. They, it's an insult. It's, it's, it's that it's not bad. It's just, it's just lazy. You just know that they could have given you, you didn't have to settle for Costco pizza. I mean, I've, I've been waiting for this movie since I used to get out of, I used to set my alarm and get out of bed at 6 a.m. because that's when Challenge of the Super Friends was on here in Des Moines when I was six years oh, yeah. old. I watched Super Friends. That I did okay. do. I absolutely I, I mean, I've been waiting for this movie since then, man. How many times, how many, I, rocking in front of the, the console television, wearing my superhero pajamas. That, since I used to do that is how long I have waited for this. And I'm not alone. And we deserved better. And those, those executives ought to be ashamed of themselves, frankly. If they didn't like, they, sh- they would have been, you know, it goes back to, I'll, leave, I'll close it with this. 
I've had numerous friends run for office over the years. I shouldn't say numerous. How about a few? A few friends run for office over the years who at some point became confident the political advice they were getting wasn't good or they lost confidence in it. And then they've come to me privately and said, can you help me? What do you think? Here's what I've, here's what I've, I've told them. No. Because you are better off taking bad advice consistently than taking competing pieces. First of all, I don't know if their advice is good or not. I've not been in your campaign the whole time. But assuming that it is bad, you're better off taking bad advice consistently than taking competing good advice inconsistently. And I think that's what happened here. They weren't confident in what Zack Snyder gave them. So they brought Josh. All you knew about the film, I, I haven't checked in the last couple of days, but on Thursday and Friday, I went to Joss Whedon's Twitter feed. He had not tweeted about Justice League being released one time. One time. And he actually liked a few tweets of people mocking how bad the villain is. What does that tell you? That's the guy you brought in to save your franchise? It's kind of a tool. You're better off going all the way with Zack Snyder's vision and letting him finish it. And then, if it doesn't pan out, because then you can bring a Joss Whedon in and say, all right, we're going a new direction. But now you bring them both in and they clash with each other and you end up with, and that's where you end up with some scenes where it's clear this was Joss Whedon's scene and then this is clearly Zack Snyder. You know what I'm saying? You can't do that. Just very frustrated. Disappointed. And I wanted to talk about it here so when I go home I can smile at Noah and say, I could have been better in some spots but there are some parts I like because I don't want to crush the dude. You know? I don't want to crush him. Man, we started this podcast by talking about you forgetting Wrath of Khan and we end it with the total inadequacy of Justice League. That's, you cut me deep, Chuck. My life's, my life's kind of in tatters right now. <laughs> I wish we had a camera on you when you said that. Hey, don't forget today on CRTV, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. You can watch today's television show. We'll be back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.